Tate, here's the theme song. All right. Hey, welcome to Play to Z. That was really good. Honestly, there's something about it that I like. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Play to Z. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Borak. And I'm your other host, Erica Kuhn. How exciting is this? Hey, we're in a new studio. We're in a new studio. Can if you, you tell? If you could tell that you could hear me. <laughs> yeah, we can hear Justin again. I'm sorry. Look. The mic in the when we were going live on the radio because we were going live on the radio at U ninety two the Moose for a long time, mm-hmm. um, which was super super fun. Good stretch. Um, very very fun. We're so thankful for them. They built a podcast studio in their basement, and the microphones are a little bit more even. We can also like play with them. This is also a podcast. It's also it's yeah, a podcast. So it makes perfect. more sense. When we like recorded live on the radio. We we couldn't really like stop and troubleshoot because we were live on the radio. Also, the radio station is a glass box, and so sometimes <laughs> stuff would happen, and we could only see the glass on the other side of the other person if and have hand signals. Sometimes we would talk about it while we're on <laughs> yeah. air. But if you ever like, we're like, Justin sounds uncomfortable, or Erica sounds weird right Erica's now. Erica's like lost her train of thought completely. It's probably because a man showed up behind me in the window, yeah. and she was trying to alert me while she was talking. We were in a constant state of Fear. assessing danger <laughs> behind the other co-host. <laughs> it was con- it was co- we were constantly scared. Usually it was just like a friendly custodian or you know curious individual, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but we're in a new studio. We're still getting used to it, so we're going to work out kinks over the, these next couple episodes, but mm-hmm. we already love it so much. It's awesome down here. It's awesome. We like it a lot. We're going live on TikTok, so make sure you'll follow me at Meteor Jokes if you ever want to watch us live when we record on Wednesday nights now. Yeah. Sometime between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern. Whenever we, won't we tell feel you. like it. <laughs> we, Come on. We aren't going to be good and give you a solid time. We'll record every, every just week. be on standby. Be around. Come on. Just be around. Um, but yeah, thank you. Like, I know this is just another episode for you guys, but this is a big like shift for us because this yeah. is a really cool new studio where we get a little bit more power in how we want to record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how we sound. Ooh. But more importantly, it's also been um, it's also been like two weeks since we recorded because the last like ten days I've gotten like I got food poisoning. Oh, we had <laughs> and a I had a little car accident. Bad. I had a little problem. Mm-hmm. We have nothing but problems. It's been ten days of hell. Every day, yeah. we've checked in with the other, like, did something bad happen <laughs> Or something good. We've something had good, good things, too. We have some really, really good news, yeah, too. We yeah. have two really big good news, but we should save them for the end for yeah, a little plugs. Yeah, a little dessert. But a little bit of a dessert. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're just super excited to be, like, chatting again, because it's been, like, two weeks since we recorded last. I missed it. I missed it a lot. Oh, I missed the alphabet. Oh, gosh. Um, we are on letter L. Wow. Exciting. Look. I was, um, before we record all the time, usually I'll immediately think of like maybe two for like worse letters, like K, I thought of like one, but whenever I stop, I run out of like plays that I want to talk about or musicals, I'll go on the dramatist website and hit like, look like browse by title and hit the letter L. Um, and L is like the last letter before you have to go to the second line of the new letter. So we're like, I don't know if we're officially halfway through or if we're way more than halfway through. I mean, it depends on how we rank Play-Dohs and the one play oh, that yeah. we did. But I think this is half. We're like kind of at the halfway marker around oh it. Oh my. How cool is that? Look at us. That's so exciting. So much has happened. I know. Wow. I know. We did it. Also, this is the first time I'm realizing this on air because we hash out things on air, obviously. Obviously. This is the first time we're not like on a strict hour deadline. Yeah. So this episode's either going to be 38 minutes or three hour and a half 30. hours long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have i mean we're starting at, a, at an hour right now where we could keep going for two hours straight yeah i'm gonna we're gonna keep our if 
if in the first if this episode maybe the next episode you hear us going all right gotta hurry up Ooh, that's enough of that erica zoom out one of us fully <laughs> forgot about the yeah. time frame um kind of rock so that we're not I gonna just, get like interrupted I, by ads or anything <laughs> strange I, li- I literally just realized that <laughs> i wonder how that's gonna affect this episode I don't know, man. We always sometimes we'll come in on like some night where we just beat and we'll be like, this could be a short one. And you we know? talk for 59 minutes on the dot. Then 40% is some hypothetical crab person <laughs> question. Okay. Also, <sighs> unshout out Sue Kuhn. No. Bo- both of both of Erica's parents came into the fray. And by that we mean they te- they reached out to Justin. They texted Justin to say that I was right. And that's trash to me. Get over it. I'm just saying. I don't even remember the argument, but I'm pissed I know. That I, I here's the thing. I was so mad that I remember the exact <laughs> argument. I, I remember all of the points that were made. And I know I, you do. I could bring it all back up. No, don't, 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 don't. We have the time. We have, we do have the but time. But I won't. These episodes might be nine <laughs> hours long, everybody. Buckle um, up. But let's jump in. This is letter L. L. Let's hash it out on air. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You always go first. I know. I just love, I love, I love <laughs> saying we like hash it out on air. Me. I like asking. <laughs> yeah, you should go first. I love consent. I love talking. Well, about hey, it. I, I mean, this share. is like the, this is a halfway point. I guess we could shift like after today and I would start for do like you, the second. I mean, th- I guess real question. God, do you, I've always wrong. done it as a bit, but do you want to go first? No. I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep them on their toes. We got to keep listeners on I their toes. I bet you guys thought, ooh, Uh-oh, maybe is she will. Go first? Nah. Um, this episode is also going to be kind of our first foray into like talking about plays maybe we didn't completely love. We'll get into that later. We'll talk but, about it. Because I, I have something I want to talk about. But yeah, yeah, let's get into it. This first play is not that. This first play is one of my favorite plays I've read in the last maybe six months. I love it. There's a monologue from it in my audition book that I'm currently doing my summer stock rounds and it is in every single cut i'm bringing it to SCTC. i did it at multiple summer stock auditions i've done it for almost every self tape i could fit it into this play is lemons 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 by sam steiner count them five of them baby rack them uh currently premiering on west end this play is a play by sam steiner it did the fringe circuit before kind of like uh making its way to the mainstream and now is having its uh big west end premiere um, it's a play that follows Bernadette and Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them are a young couple. And basically, it's kind of a little mysterious. I'm going to go through this plot like super fast. Yeah. But it's kind of mysterious. But the government, for some reason, it never gets really into the technical reason of it. The government uh, puts a cap on a word limit mm. for human beings on the planet for each day. So every day, a person gets 140 words. That's all they get for the yeah. whole day. The first half, th- this play is a one act. Uh, right now, it's being done in about 80 minutes on the West End every night with uh, over 100 scenes. I think it's 107 scenes in the play. Uh, so they're super fast. And the point is, is that the play starts before the word count law comes into play. Uh, Bernadette is a divorce lawyer, I believe. She's a lawyer of some kind. I think she's a divorce lawyer. And Oliver is a... I believe a musician and the 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 law starts to kind of shift throughout the day so or throughout the like play so lawyers and government officials maybe get 160 words or 170 words but the whole point of it is looking into where do you put your effort and your energy every day where do mm-hmm. you put it if you were given 140 words what would you devote it to how would you figure out ways to game the system and how would you put in more effort in this world where you're only allowed to put in so much effort 
Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, it's like being impeccable with your words yeah. dialed up to 11 and, and being articulate and being... Yeah. It's yeah. It's a beautiful play. Sam Steiner has talked about it a bunch of times, and he talks about how it's very much a play off of the characters in Twitter, mm-hmm. and very much uh, the concept kind of stemmed from Twitter's this place where you have 140 characters, that's all you have, but one tweet, the right tweet from the right person, or... In retrospect, the wrong, the wrong tweet yeah. from the wrong per- or the right tweet from the wrong person can set the world on fire yeah. and can change everything. So when you have a limited amount of text in your vocabulary, in your life, how do you use that to your advantage? Mm. Uh, there's a lot of really fun tricks that these people go through. You see the scenes get the reason why it's 100 plus scenes in like 80 minutes mm-hmm. is because the scenes get so much faster. There are scenes right before the 140 word law kind of comes into play where they start figuring out words that they say all the time mm-hmm. and they try to short shorten them. So like that's so great because uh it becomes like to to cigarette to cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's like like one long thing but they're like we don't have spaces they're just there, abbreviating fine. Everything. So they're yeah. abbreviating everything. Yeah, yeah. But then also like I've never, a monologue has never meant more mm-hmm. in a play. I think, and this is a kind of a hot take. All right. Um, I think he wrote a play where there's a monologue that happens later on where uh, Bernadette basically like gets really frustrated and like vents, mm-hmm. right? Later on in the play. And in any other play, in Shakespeare, in Chekhov, in Contemporary, in Annie Baker, that's a, that could be a beautiful monologue. It could be a whatever monologue. It's just a monologue. Yeah. It's like a monologue in a play. In this play, the monologue could suck. It doesn't. Sam Steiner's brilliant. Um, the monologue could suck, but the point isn't what she's saying. The point is, within these scenes of four to five words apiece, mm-hmm. she chose to save all of her words to when she gets home and to throw them at her partner in this aggressive way, knowing there's there can be no rebuttal. Yeah. There can be nothing Oof. after. It's gruesome. It's beautiful. I... um. I just love this play. I had an acting mentor who would always say, he would yell, right? He would say like, what does it cost you to say those words? Mm-hmm. And this is that. Yeah. It's literal, what does it cost you? It's the cost of words. What are you words. willing to pay it's, if you had almost nothing yeah. to get your point across? It's so good. Yeah. Um, another thing that actually my good, good friend, this silly, silly dummy that I love so much, Erica Kuhn taught me. Who is she? Um, is if you find a British playwright that you like, a lot of their stuff is... Up on available is available it's on script legally they Uh, do not care yeah because like (laughs) especially nhb stuff nhb oberon they're all on script because they just put all their they like uh like fully legally up there to like read and download yeah lemons 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 is up there Mm -hmm. and it's currently on the west end but the west end is i think far less like pushing something into the mainstream as broadway is so i don't think any of this stuff is overdone and dude scene work it's producible monologues, too. all of this yeah it's it's super producible yeah um but yeah but it made me it gave me a couple questions one mm-hmm. okay this is a question that i have for you because i trust your theatrical brain more than me a lot of the time especially when it comes to auditioning because <laughs> you've done it i'm like i feel like when i got into playwriting i went to you a lot and yeah. now like we're both kind of doing it and i feel more comfortable making decisions and playwriting <laughs> on my own yeah um, <laughs> But now I'm like in this audition brain and I go to Erica with like all my questions because <laughs> she was just acting in Minneapolis and like has all these things. Yeah. What is your take on doing a monologue from a British play that's written in MLE based? It's written yeah. like for that dialect or whatever, but doing it with your American dialect in auditions. Like I 
because I found this monologue because we had to find a monologue to do for our MLE. It's perfect for it. It's great. Um, but now that I'm doing all these auditions, I just, I love this monologue so much. So I just do it with my dialect for my auditions. And it's worked out fine. No one's asked me anything. And if anyone's like, isn't this a British play? I would very easily say, like, I'll do the dialect for it. Yeah. But I just didn't know, is that something that is kind of uncouth or not cool? I don't know. What do you think? Here's what I will say. And this kind of sucks. Yeah. I, I, my selection for my audition material is like a, a huge majority of the labor because, um, you know, with my demographic, there's mm -hmm. a lot of other people who are going to be my same type. Yeah. Are going to offer similar skill sets. So oh, yeah. my first impression, I feel like I make when I audition is that I am a reader and that I have a really wide breadth of work. So I can, uh, kind of usually expect that people won't know what yeah, I'm pulling from because sure. I want to make sure I'm the only person they've seen do that material that day. Yes. Um, which depending on the audition is easier said than done. Um, I remember I was one of the first people to audition with Fleabag. I was one of the only people the who had read. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was originally that first episode. It's just a full uh, one woman show. Mm -hmm. And I was doing these crazy cuts. Did from we it. talk about that on F? I don't know if we did. I don't know if we this did. This was either. like years ago. Like it yeah. first hit the scene. Also, that that play, if you can get your hands on it, has one of the most gorgeous introductions of all time. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, what I mean to say is. You love an author's though or an introduction? Oh, I love the stuff you at the love beginning. It. I love it. <laughs> um, Usually I can bank on they're not going to know what's going on. In yeah. fact, one of my pride points is that typically when I leave an audition, they stop me and they're like, even if I'm probably not going to book it, they're like, oh, what was that from again? What did you, wait, what, who, who? And that's great. That's so validating. So here's what I'll say. Do it. If there is no like, you know, reason to do it in dialect, do it in your own dialect. Now, sometimes you'll find a piece where there is like very clearly uh, language that's going to hint at that. So if you're mm -hmm. talking about like quid, if you're talking about the tube or your flatmate, that's going to kind of give the monologue away. Um, but here's what I'll say. Do it anyway if you want to, but do it with your chest. If they say, oh, I literally know things. I know that this is supposed to be done in at least a British accent. Be ready to do it in that dialect. And even better, if you've given them your resume, have at the bottom of your resume and your special skills that you can do that dialect. So yeah. you can say, oh, I'm, I'm you know, fluent with RP, MLE. Be ready to do it both ways. But chances yeah. are, typically, they're they just going to be will. glad that they hadn't heard that 30 times that day. Yeah. Um, I will say if you're auditioning, so right now you're auditioning for like cool seasons for a lot yeah, of places. Exactly. That's why I like this because I feel like I have a lot of like really like dark, funny ones or yep. a lot of really like aggressive, funny ones. I, I have a lot of like very niche monologues, but this monologue from lemons, 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 lemons mm -hmm. is like the perfect, like rom com love interest boy monologue Short, for a sweet. bunch of different ways. Right. Perfect. I can cut it even shorter right now. It's like at exactly 60 seconds. I have a 40 second cut of it if I want to. Yeah. And it's like funny yep. but also not too funny doing multiple cute, things yeah no one's doing it's it perfect it's it's like the perfect model and it's like one of those things that no one's doing but people are hearing about the play more because it's premiering on west end yeah so yeah it's like literally especially for this summer season i think it's the perfect monologue it's great and again yeah. i've told on myself before i'll take that murdis monologue at the end of john mm -hmm. which is for like an 80 year old woman <laughs> who yeah. is creeping people out but and take it out will, of context i'll sing it like a love song yeah and people will go oh that was so nice we're casting her as a 40s you know era girl next door and i'll go gotcha you Boom. haven't read john got him you didn't even pay attention my hair looks so pretty um but that's kind of the game and so yeah i'll Always, always, always trust your gut. So if you're yeah. about to walk into an audition and you're like, oh man, my lemons, 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 lemons monologue would be perfect <laughs> for this and I want to do it. Yeah. And I think I can rock it. Then just do it. Do whatever you're most in love with that day. Yeah. Always with auditioning because that's what they'll actually notice is your, your sparkly showing about your, your choice and your love for that piece. All right, cool. Just back it up later if you have to. Yes. So I'm glad I have your approval because I want to do, I want to do two <laughs> things. First off, I just want to say yeah. if you have 
any any scenes at all that you need if you are a female between the age of like honestly like 20s and 30s mm-hmm. that are playing a 20s or 30s person or a male 20s or 30s honestly or not really any human being that yeah. is in the 20s to 30s range this is a perfect place to pull a monologue from perfect play but i want to know since you feel that way mm-hmm. what are some other british playwrights nhb oberon that you would recommend looking into because i think they aren't done a lot and it's a really good way to go mine for pieces duncan mcmillan is like kind of the mm-hmm. the big one so much that like even now yeah. stateside it's kind of going to get overdone. Yes. I think everybody's pulling from lungs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nina Rain, Lucy Preble, Lucy Kirkwood. I was going to say the play about, about pills. She's written a couple of Lucy yeah. Preble. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The effect. Yeah. Um, but her other Jez stuff is, Butterworth, obviously huge. Jerusalem, all that stuff. Um, yeah. The River, I've pulled material from. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like your 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 big wigs, right? Carol Churchill's over there. Yeah, of course. Banging stuff out every year somehow Gosh. in spite of it all. Bananas. Um, There's so many. Uh, yeah. And they're churned out all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's my tastes or, or the trends in America, but I find that they are constantly churning out material that does include monologues, particularly mm-hmm. for women, which unfortunately I think has kind of fallen out of fashion in yeah. a lot of contemporary straight plays in America in the past few years. Um, sometimes they're there, but sometimes you got to work for it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great monologues coming out and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of 20 somethings relationship based plays yes. and scenes. Um, American plays, I find this is gross generalizations, y'all, and I'm the queen of nothing. No, of course. But we're, we're a lot of time centering on like families, on workplaces, stuff like that. And uh, that's, again, a gross oversimplification. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these playwrights that you have free access to online are doing, you know, two 20 somethings in a relationship. Yeah. They're doing. You know, something that's wildly producible with a four-person cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know the nuances of why that is. I just know that if you're kind of running dry, you're worried about getting too repetitive with your book stateside, go go over there. <laughs> <laughs> Much like you can, like, backtrack uh, who won, like, Tonys and Pulitzers and stuff like yes. that. Um, go and backtrack the West End. Oh, You know yeah. what I mean? Like, how we can be like, well... Like, Olivier Awards. Yeah, we can yeah. be like, oh, well, you know, that one just won an OB. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's doing it. Go go over there. Yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's such and, a... Yeah. And, like, again, reminder, that's still, like, a very Western kind of, like, mm-hmm. basic thing. Imagine if you went to another country, right? Yeah. Translations exist, and, and there's a lot more going on outside of just America and Broadway. So, um, throw a rock, and you're probably going to hit something really cool yeah. that no one else has heard of. Awesome. Yeah. Lemons, 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 lemons. Yeah. It's killer. It just, all the reviews literally came out today when we were recording, so, like, a week and a half before you guys are listening to this episode, um, and it's getting killer reviews. It's doing really well. It's, if you're in, if you're a UK listener, I think I was looking at demographics, and we have a couple listeners in the UK. So if you're oh, really? UK, yeah, we do. We have, like, two or three. Do you know anyone in the UK? No, I'm assuming they're from my, my my tiktok that's so cool but um uh-huh. but, but yeah i think we have a couple listeners in the uk so if you are one of those like three or four people in our mm-hmm. demographic and you go see it like let me know what you think because i also their set design looks sick it's like this like curved wall that is all it's like a carpet floor they're in socks their entire the entire play because they're like inside their apartment and the curved wall is all screen it's like one big screen yeah. and it just shows whatever room they're in the in the apartment in like this really cool overwhelming fashion it's really really cool also i i'm dead serious i'm i i know not a lot about a lot of things so if you're one of those two uk listeners and you're like oh erica rattled off some names but not these really important or like you know our versions of, shoot them our way yeah please dm us on whatever you can find us on yeah um and let me know like who your equivalents are of our favorite playwrights or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Please, because all, also we we want to we, we read, read so plays. many plays. We want to yeah. read more. <laughs> we want to read more plays. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's my play. I love yeah. that play. It was like one of my favorite finds. I'm so thankful that 
care. It was funny. I was like so nervous to find an MLE monologue. Yeah. And then like I was like, Erica, if you have any, because. But a lot of people go to Erica for monologue <laughs> ideas and I like refuse to do it anymore because now I'm like proud proud that I like know a lot of these. But yeah, I but like, I always find good stuff no, for you. And I know then I'm you like, do, but now take this. I, I know. But, <laughs> but, for you. but it's funny because I was like, I was like, can you find me an Emily monologue? She's like, give me a night. And then I was like, I'm going to look for some too. So if I find one, I don't need to use one she gives me because I want to be <laughs> proud and do it. And I come and I'm like, I found one in Lemons, 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 Lemons. And she looks at me <laughs> right before class, I right, and, she goes, and she goes, I had one from that play for you too. And it was the same one. <laughs> I it's... took screenshots off of script and I had them saved on my desktop <laughs> for you. ready to like send five over. Five options. And you're like, well, which ones did you pick? And I was like, you're on the right track, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's mine. It's one of my favorites. Um, I turn it over to my best, best friend. Oh my. Yeah. All right. Now I want to play a little guessing game to start. Mm-hmm. What starts with L and is a huge deal in American playwriting right now? I mean, I know the answer. Do you want me to say it out loud? Let's say it on the count of three. All right. One, two, three. Linnati! Okay. I sounded like a joke, but I couldn't think of one in three seconds. Like, what would also be something? Um, ladies. I was going to say ladies, too, but then that's not really a joke. That's, like, real. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies are killing it. Hey, ladies are on stage. <laughs> Shakespeare, yeah. take a note. Ladies, anyway, um, <laughs> back to the task at hand. Oh, you doubled L. You double L. Yeah, I, I like doubling on letters whenever I can. That's very impressive. Feels like fancy. I don't even think about it. Feels like doing like a like a like a trick on a razor scooter off a curb. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I don't know. I just feel good about it. <laughs> a trick on a what like i just like it's not like that crazy or hard but it makes me feel really cool like i did that yeah does that make sense no it does make sense i'm thinking about scooters because i had to pretend like i was scootering in a clown class this week (laughs) and justin wasn't there so then i had to call and explain and i was like i had a scooter and i thought the professor was talking about a a razor scooter so i started riding a stool like a razor scooter and then he said i meant a vespa so I flipped the stool upside down and wrote it like a Vespa. Our parents would be so proud of what we do in grad school. Yeah, I'm mastering it, you could say. Shout out, Sukun. I Continue. should say the name of the play this time, right? Yeah, please do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There have been some episodes I'll listen back to, and I've had, I've had uh, uh, friends, it's taken a while to friends say it. shout it out, where I'll like ramble and amble, and then all of a sudden I'll like slide in the t- title of the play as like a parenthetical <laughs> little, in little, like a rant. It's an aside in a restoration Anyway, play. I'm going to say it again for you. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to say it for the first time. Yeah. I'm doing the Linnottage play. Las Meninas. Yeah. Okay, are you familiar with this one? This is a play that I did a project on Clyde's last semester, and this is like the play that I was about to read and I wasn't able to get to. So yeah. I actually have not read this one yet. It's one so of the only ones I haven't read. Of it's got a very simple plot, and it's yeah. because the plot is rooted in something that I know for a fact you love. What? Gossip. No way. Yeah. It's about gossip? It's historical like, gossip. It's about tea? Oh, it's historical. Tea. Shut up. Listen. <laughs> Listen. This is a play called Las Meninas. And if you are someone who took an art history class in community college like I did, ring ding ding ding, you might recognize that. Um Do you care about art? Do you like know about art? Do you like like no. like old I, school, I don't know like, like a paintings? lot about art. Like seventeenth century paintings? No, up until like a year and a half <laughs> right. ago, I just like watched stand up. Well, I that's fine. I look I'm learning as I go. I'm not I'm not like <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying not to curse still because I'm still using Reddit. <laughs> oh radio yeah, oh yeah. Because we're on. I do want to say we're very, we're still a. I'm still gonna. We're still are not being an explicit podcast. But because we're not live on the radio, we're uh, technically we're allowed Things to could curse. Slip. Things and, and because <laughs> I, I think because we know they could slip. 
they might slip. Sometimes, and I curse. You guys should know. IRL, like I curse. We curse so constantly. Much. We it's curse really, so much. really bad. And so yeah. sometimes I'll I'll ramp up to a word, and then you'll hear me just kind of and then I can't say it. So I was gonna say something. I was gonna say I was BSing. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I wasn't BSing. I, I did take art history classes at the community college, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawkeye in Waterloo, Iowa. And um, <laughs> what, it's true. And um, one of the famous paintings, I'm going to flip this actually so you can see it. Please, please show me. Oh, no. It went away. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is it a piece of art? Yeah, it's art. Wait, so it's Las, wait, is Las Meninas is the title of a painting. Oh, okay. And it's um, Spanish um, also for like, uh, like ladies in waiting. Okay, yeah. so. Look at that. Look at this little tiny aristocrat. Ooh. Look at this tiny, tiny Spaniard Ooh, la, little la. baby girl princess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah, I do. Cool. So this painting was a big deal. <laughs> Sorry. Slipping into my community college <laughs> kind of era. Um, was a big deal because it used reflections. Like the painter kind of like yeah. potentially painted himself in the background. You've got this beautiful use of lighting. Um, but let's get into like the context and then I'm going to tell you the gossip and then I'm going to run you through really loosely the plot because it's... It's essentially a theory sure. about what happened that yeah. we're not obviously deep dived into. So um, it centers on uh, the queen of that time. So Louis the Fourteenth, right? Mm -hmm. French king. Yes. We know the name of him. Of course. In Paris and stuff. Yeah. Cool. So Habsburg dynasty, right? Ooh. Yeah. In inbreeding. Ooh, yikes. Uggos, right? Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> inbreeding. Yikes. Ooh. Gross. Bad mm, jaws, weird noses, bad problems. No, 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 no. We no. don't do that anymore. Yeah. Mostly. Can, wait, can I ask you a really quick question? Uh, yeah. I know I'm in the, you're in the middle Is of this. Is it about inbreeding? No, it's no, radio. <laughs> is this another because I feel like Lenage has so many research plays. Is yes, this it is very much a research oh play. Oh my gosh, yeah, okay, cool. dramaturgy for days, just classic. That's just what I love. And this about is one her. of her earlier plays. I'm sorry, it just jumped right in. This one came out in 04. Okay, okay. four men, three women. Um, I think it uh, premiered in San Jose. I want to say. Um, okay. but anyway, let me cover my bases. Of Las Meninas, the painting, uh, is a Spanish Golden Age painting. It's by um, Diego uh, Velasquez, and I, I should say the name of the artist when it's I talk like about it. It's like from uh, 1695, right? It's 1656. Dang, for a I second, totally I thought you were sneaking a peek, and you knew that. I did. Sne I tried to sneak a peek, and I tried to pretend I was smart, and I didn't <laughs> oh, I've never heard of this painting before. <laughs> that's okay. So um, it's centering on this portion of the Habsburg dynasty. That's when um, the Spaniard, uh, who is uh, Marie Therese... Uh, there's also like she's Spanish, so like Maria to Marie, right? The the Spanish, yeah. right? Because she marries. So these are real people, okay? And in real life, this is not the play. I mean, it is the play, but this is real life yeah, okay. because this play it says on the back, Las Meninas is the true story of dot dot dot. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's true in the fact that like scholars and historians have like pretty much asserted that like we think this did happen. And obviously, with any history stuff. There's people who are like, we don't think so. Yeah. Um, but what happened was she was gifted as a present, like in a box and like a literal African dwarf, like a man, a little person in real life. This queen, the Spanish queen, right? She's blonde. Is this a real story? Real life. She was gifted. She was gifted as like a, like a kind of like a court jester, like an entertainer companion, a literal human. Really? Yeah. And his name, um, Oh my gosh, I better not blank on his name. Nabu or Nabo. I'm not quite positive huh. on that. There's like images and, and like paintings of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he was kind of like a servant. And at the same time, they became close. 
And um, Louis the Fourteenth was, you know, having this like string of affairs, like most kings did, right? Of course, he's got all these mistresses and stuff, Always. and he's got all of these, you know, children out of wedlock. It's gonna drop the other B word, but I won't. <laughs> and um, Marie, um, I don't know if I should call her Marie Theresa or Maria Therese. I'm not really sure. I don't know. But this queen, I'm gonna call her the queen. The queen. The queen was rumored to have started a love affair with him. Mm-hmm. And what's worse is it was rumored that I think it was her fourth child who publicly they said like was stillborn, like died after childbirth. Yeah. The rumor was that it was that man, Nabo's oh. child, that she had an affair with him like at, like to get back. Even though she was known for being like really pious, she had like this she really had an affair clean, with Nabo? Yeah. Oh my god. They had gosh. relations. She became pregnant. And That's good tea. When the baby is born, they're like, this is a biracial, like it's a mixed baby. You're very clearly not. And yeah. so there were some reports that were like, no, the baby like, you know, didn't survive. It was purple because it was oxygen deprived. And other people were like, no, they said the baby didn't survive because that baby was clearly not the king's baby. And it was very clear whose baby it was. Yeah. Which takes us to part two of like the history of this, which is there is like a, a famed black nun of Marais. And people say that that's uh, Louise. Oh, and that's the baby. Which is the baby grown up. So they sent this baby. They said it didn't survive, but they, they sent, sent this baby to another to a convent. Which, again, I'm showing him another little image. Oh, shoot. Boom. Yeah. So it's, this is all... Ba- okay, so this so is this another is hardcore in, Linnottage real yes. research play. And I like to kind of give people like a little tasting of like, oh, you might be into this play if this. I'm someone who like... I like history podcasts. Yeah, like I sure. really like the podcast Noble Blood. Yeah. But if you're someone who likes historical-based but like refreshed content, right? If you liked... Um, is it Hulu that put out The Great? Yes. Right? If you're a fan of that, if you like Lauren Gunderson's The Revolutionists, if that's your brand, mm-hmm. this one's going to be great for you, but it's got that like Lynn Nottage golden touch of heavily, heavily researched, right? It's laden with like politics and uh, microaggressions. And the play is written from the perspective of Louise, the daughter. So she's kind of breaking the fourth wall from the convent. She's like referring to the audience as like, oh, hey, sisters. And she's talking about what's going on. So I'm going to run you through kind of the highlights because now you know kind of the arc. So there's uh, Louise Marie Therese, who is like the daughter, the illegitimate daughter who opens the show. She's got a bunch of monologues. Um, She's mixed. They described her as being like light skinned. If that's someone who that that aligns with you. There's the queen mother. uh, So I'm sorry. There's like the normal queen, Queen Marie Therese. That's the one who is like the Spaniard who has the affair. There's King Louis XIV, obviously. There's Nabo, uh, the queen mother, uh, like mother superior. And she's double. There's the painter who also gets to have a part. Um, and then there's like a kind of like a cast of ensemble characters and like mistresses. Yeah. So it opens and Louise is talking to everyone and she's like dressed down really hardcore and like very clearly in like kind of like a cell. It's kind of like the night before she's going to be like married to God, like officially become a nun. Yeah. Only she's got like a banger gold crucifix mm-hmm. that like does not match her station. Oh my God. Um, it's two acts. And so the, uh, the act continues and you see the queen receive this gift and he comes out and it's just like, hi, um, kind of what's going on. And it, it's, it's contemporary. Um, but it, some things aren't. So like Nabo is like, Hey, I'm a human with agency. Um, I'm aware that I got shipped here in like a bejeweled box. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like my own guy. And she's like, mm, you were shipped to me in a box. Like it doesn't, no, it not. doesn't add up. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. And every time the queen smiles, you see all of her rotten teeth. 
so she'll like say something horrible degrading like she'll and there's like there's contemporary you know there's microaggressions not even microaggressions like she she owns him it's horrible she'll like touch his hair and like show her teeth that are rotting and it's just good job Lenottage um again it's for the history buff so act one kind of chronicles like that power dynamic of her feeling like she owns him and him being like kind of but also no um there's a really really great scene where the queen is very clearly this character who is incredibly flawed is also so deeply lonely and she Mm -hmm. was very pious like while her husband is having these affairs like he won't you know sleep with her and she's upset you know she only has one living child and so she seeks him out like truly as a companion like it does not start out sexual or romantic in the play and she's you know just like hanging out with him she's like going into his like small bed and he has to sleep on the floor and there's a scene where you know he takes the pillow she's falling asleep in his bed and he holds it over and you can you can see him debating, he like, like should I just her, mother maybe. her? Yeah, like, should I just free myself? Oh, my gosh. And then he's looking at her and he decides not to. And he puts the pillow under her head and, like, tucks her in. And, like, takes care of her instead. And takes care of her instead. And you follow this very complicated little relationship that she is, like, yeah. definitely, like, editorialized, is but is rooted in, in is, cool is, gossip. Is that the primary plot of Act 1? Yeah. Act okay. 1 is them getting together. So then, then by the end, it brings in the the problem. Yeah. So act one and the daughter is kind of like narrating. She's kind of. Oh, she's like the narrator. Honestly, I'm working on the marriage of Bet and Boo right now. Mm -hmm. She's kind of like the Matt track. Oh, okay. Weird off-ball yeah, reference yeah, yeah, yeah. for you guys. But you know how some characters have that magical narrator quality? <laughs> if, if you love if you love a C-list Christopher <laughs> yeah, Durang play. If yeah. you're like, I love Lynn Nottage and Christopher Durang, this was the episode for you. You're welcome for <laughs> this that. This was the episode for that for galaxy you. brain poll. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that but it's true there's a lot of places where that happens where one character is like i don't know if this is a real term but like they're the magical narrator they can be in the scene then they can talk to you then they can talk to them it's very cool yeah so that's what louise the daughter is doing so act one culminates in them getting together together yeah getting together and i mean that in Mm -hmm. the way (laughs) that i mean it there's also really funny lines because these are the Habsburgs. like they're really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's one line where the queen mother is like talking to um queen and she's like you know you're gonna die young if you think that the king is the great love of your life because you'll always be chasing after the scent of his mistress and there's nothing less pleasant on a man's breath i tell you because you are my niece my daughter my cousin and a spaniard because <laughs> it's true they're all yeah. messed up and inbred um anyway that's fun if you're into Jeez. that again yeah. if you're someone who's like into history and stuff like this this is quite delightful yes um but it's also very serious because i think that the play while it deals with you know a lot of like kind of like silliness this was a very real situation and it deals with um like erasure of history as well the idea that like having any black blood in these stories had to be a conspiracy had to be hidden Mm -hmm. it's just it's absolutely wild and yeah and it's immaculate obviously it's it's lenottage so they get together Act two kicks off and Louise is still talking to us uh, and she's like, she doesn't yet have a self-awareness of like her parentage. Mm-hmm. So later on while she's in convent mode, right? Cause she can go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the mistresses is like, do you uh, see it? Do you see any scenes in the convent or whenever she's doing stuff, it's primarily as a narrator and you're like, watching her, her mother and father do all the scene work. She can talk to you when she's physically in the convent and like she's in her you cell. Being the audience. Yeah. Okay. But then she can also talk to other characters and kind of like come and go. Oh, okay, So she can kind of cool. do whatever she wants, which it's a very cool track. Yeah. Like if, if you are um, like a biracial woman or you, you align with this identity, 
this would be a very very cool track for you it's also yeah. a difficult play to cast right because yeah. you need a, a person who is black who deals with dwarfism like you you have yeah. to deal with that um I, I looked up production photos and like it, it's also such a cool opportunity for designers because mm -hmm. there's all these different shifts you have to do. A bunch of different there's stuff. all these different time jumps. Very, very cool. Um, so yeah, so eventually Louise is in her cell and uh, the mistress shows up and is like, kind of like, hey, put it together. Like, haven't you ever wondered why you look like this? Yeah. And she's like, I'm a nun. I don't get a mirror. You know what I mean? She's like, wait, what? She's like, don't you wonder like why your skin looks that way, but you never go in the sun? Don't you wonder why like you're never allowed to leave here? all this stuff and she kind of like puts together what's happened and then she becomes more self-aware and she kind of enters the scenes more yeah meanwhile um the queen who her husband will not you know sleep with her and get her pregnant is trying to hide that she's you know months pregnant and they play louis the 14th as being like hey is something up with this and all the doctors are like i don't know like did you share a drinking glass with her like did you give her a loaded look like did this, this could have been anything and he's like you're right i did that <laughs> and then the baby is born and they're like well that the color will change that that happens sometimes, sometimes because of the born. way of science and bodies and it's just like so ridiculous um, but eventually he kind of wises up. But at the same time, he's like, my wife's always been a good wife. You know, she's yeah. really pious. And so they just kind of deal with removing her to the convent. They try and tell the queen that she has died and she's just like inconsolable. Um, and then uh, I always just tell the ending of the play. But I by know. the end, Nabo has to like essentially try and like negotiate for his life from this king because this king's like, look, man. I'm trying to do the right thing, but like even I can't deny something is afoot. And he's kind of like, I am a small person. This is a small crime. Don't kill me. Small person, small crime, small sentence. And the king's kind of like, oh, you've got good rhetoric, my guy. Like maybe I'll do it. And he ends up executing him. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and Louise is the one who closes out the show in that aftermath, like yeah. not able to reconcile her own identity, which is a huge issue for people. Yeah. Um, it's a historical play, but like thematically, there are so many people who I'm sure could relate yeah. to any of these characters and what they're going through with those dynamics. Um, so anyway, it, it, it follows the simple course of the rumor, which is yeah. this guy shows up. Wow. What a good time. Uh Oh, wow. What a bad time. Mm hmm. And um, again, I'm not an expert, so maybe if, if you know more about history, you'll be like, no. that is a rumor or that is definitely true. But there is, you know, tons of of uh, research out there that kind of like timelines when kind of people were able to put together what actually yeah. happened. And again, that that uh, uh, Marie Therese was like a really, really like good wife. So a lot of people, I think, just like didn't want to slander her. Yeah. But also like how ridiculous that were like, oh, no, she had to be a perfect person. Like she probably was an awesome wife and she probably did have a child out of wedlock. Yeah. But um, I just thought that was really fascinating. That this is, is for me a Lynn Nottage play that I had never read before. I sought this one out because of the L. Yeah. I got it at a half price books, but it is dramatist. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and yeah. So anyway, question for you. Yeah, give me it. Now that I've zoomed in hard. I love it. Never mean to. Always do. No, I love it though. Do you have any favorite, like any form of uh, entertainment that is set in history yeah and if you don't if you had to write a play that's like falls into some historical period what would you want to like hone in on research write about yeah okay because this is spanish golden age kind of like 17th century france Habsburg. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the yeah. vibe yeah i have a i have a bunch i think like i've never been a big historical person or like period piece person yeah. my primary like historical content was like drunken history on comedy central 
which I loved. I adore I love that. Drunk History. That's me and Callie, uh, my friend Callie, who you know, Sweet Callie B. Shout out to That's Sukun. one of yeah, our, yeah. right, my mom too. Um, that's <laughs> one of our safe watches. So when we finally get to see each other, we get big submarine sandwiches and we watch that. It's so good. Yeah. So like that was, where I, like, that was something for me. But two plays that I've recently read that I love, one uh, by my main man, one of my favorite players in the world, Joshua Harmon, uh, Prayers for the French Republic. Mm. I don't know if you've read that one yet. It just came out. I haven't. It's not like you can't even really buy it online, but I was able to find some pages. It's basically about a Jewish, uh, like a Jewish family through five different generations in French dealing with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. So it's not a like nonfiction play like Hamilton, like going through like looking at like a historical figure or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it plays a lot with history and the different ways that people treated like Jewish people uh, in France specifically. Yeah. I love that play. That's awesome. And then one play by actually someone we're going to talk about in a, little, in a minute, Aaron Posner. Uh, one of his only original plays, not an adaptation. It's called JQA. It's by, about John Quincy Adams. Mm-hmm. I read that play recently too, and I actually love that play. It's all. It's like five different characters. I'm surprised you didn't use that for J. I am too. You know what? I had that with a K. I had that with a K play too. It literally. Was, it always happens two weeks it later. Just hit me. I'm so sorry. Oh, that sucks. It happened to me this morning. It was a K. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait. Which, what was your K? I wanted to do like how we did he manifest for H. I wanted yeah. to do the Kilroy's list for K. Oh, that would have been smart. Yeah, because it's just a great hack. Also, if you're Dang someone who's it. looking for content. Yeah. yeah, but um, maybe we'll come back on the. Uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll do the podcast maybe we'll over do the again. Podcast over again. <laughs> um, but JQA super fun. I love that play. There's a lot of really good content in it. Not a ton of like monologues or scenes. Maybe that's why I didn't do it. No, I forgot about. It. but <laughs> it was a good it was a really good Aaron Post- that was a play it was really hard to get because one of his only original things it just came out a couple years ago like came out like right when COVID hit yeah um and I sent him an email and I got a copy oh uh, I love sending it. emails it to was people. awesome yeah perfect but it was it was very good I love I love JQA I love prayers for the French Republic drunk history is awesome if I had to write a play I kind of want to write a play in like a fantasy realm mm-hmm. but I don't know I'm not really a big historical buff when it comes to writing yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah how about you any other historical plays that you love Oh gosh. <laughs> the weird silence thing is like on the podcast. The silence on the podcast cuz I take in a lot of like historical stuff, but it's actually rarely plays. I do a lot of like TV, movies, yeah. po- like podcasts truly. Oh yeah. Um and I think it's because I I love contemporary straight plays yeah. which even a contemporary I mean, straight I play agree, can be 100%. about you know recent history like yeah. this is a contemporary straight play so is about history. The Republic right and but and they're stuff. kind of like rarer yeah um you know like what, something what like like equivocation i shot out and like oh yeah. that deals with a different era but mm-hmm. again it's not like legit yeah, it's not like yeah. super like but it's still another era yeah um oh, gosh i don't know for me like i kind of get hung up on world war Two. yeah um my great grandfather on my mom's side like mm-hmm. went missing during World War Two. Yeah, he was, like flying a plane, and they um actually like found him like within yeah. the past few years, and we were able to, like bring him home. And I remember being really young and being at my grandparents' house in Nevada, and my mom like sorted through all of his letters to my great grandmother, and I was super close to my great grandmother. Yeah, and when my great grandmother um was in her last few years of her life, and I the pleasure of like being very close to like a very old woman, which is yeah. super cool as a young lady having that many generations, and um her like dementia and like memory loss this is gonna make my mom super emotional when oh, she listens no. was such that like she had a different you know husband throughout her, her yeah. lives and stuff that was her first husband when she was like a teenager uh lol who was overseas and she would kind of like fall through time and like imagine that he was going to come home so she'd be like this old woman and she was aware that she was an old woman like yeah. in a home mm-hmm. and she'd be like going to the bank to get money for when he came back from the war because she'd need to buy him new shoes and they needed to be nice. 
And I remember thinking like, what a cool love story that someone could age out to the point where like falling through time, she's still just waiting for her 18 year old husband to come home. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I'd want to write like a time is meaningless, like love lives forever. That's kind of cool. Like play. you play a little bit with history, with but like it's letters. less about it. Yeah, less about history, more about relationship and how yeah. like I look at someone like my great-grandmother who was born in 1920. Yeah. And she died in 2017. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, and she always said that, oh, my mom is going to get so emotional. Um, she always joked to me and my sister that she was going to live to be 100. And mm. for a while we were like, she's too stubborn to die even though she wants to because she said she was going to live to be 100. She died at 97. And in 2020, when she would have turned 100, it's when they found him and they brought him home. What? Yes. And isn't that so like that's so such a beautiful. weird thing that like if she had and she shouldn't have, she was, you know, it was her time. But if she had lived to be 100, that would have been the year that God. he got his like fancy military sent home. And that's so awesome. Yeah. So that's I guess like so, a play like that, yeah. like uh, my mom's going to be like, oh, that's I'm such a beautiful story. Zap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like a story like that where it's like it's still very personal. It's not necessarily about like even this play, right? It's not about the rumor per se. It's about two lonely people who have needs Mm -hmm. and power dynamics. Yes. And that's the thing that makes the play. Everything else is the context. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd want to write a play like that. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. I'd want to write my great-grandparents play. Oh. Yeah. One other historical play we can talk about. Um, Me and Eric... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me and Erica saw saw uh, what did we see? A Nazi love story. Oh by my Bess gosh, Wolf. we never talked about that. We never because the sea. We went to New York. And we once. saw it after. We went to New York over <laughs> winter break. It was a long time ago. Um, and we saw Best Wolves' new play. We were one of the first people that got to see it, which is so cool oh, to say. A new Best Wolf play. It was it was a bunch of it was horny teenage Nazis. I went into it not knowing a lot because it's. I fun. didn't know. I, I read didn't know. So it was, much. We both didn't know it was Nazis. Oh my gosh! So, wait, did we talk about this? I felt like we talked about how cool that set was. And Maybe we. I think we did talk about a little bit. the set and stuff we like talked about our new york trip a little bit on... I, I liked how that play grappled with its with its era yeah. because it wasn't like hitting over their head of like yeah it's a it's a 30s and 40s it's a 30, it 40. was just like yeah. no you're just like wearing weird shorts and you're acting like people and, and you're you just... slowly kind of got to the place where these yeah. are american nazis the point was yeah. that you forgot like yes. the era and the circumstances and you'd be like wow two teenagers like learning about each other yeah and then all of a sudden you're like oh cool i'm disgusted and scared yeah it's yeah yeah but that was that was another cool historical play yeah, yeah. anything else about the play um, any any good monologues in there anything don't like that? forget in in all of the lynn nottage hi- uh, hype to work your way back yes. because this is a good lesson for me to like go, go yeah. back through and i'm like that with music too i'll hear like yeah. one song by an artist and be like i loved that and i won't check out the whole album yeah it's check also, it out. here's the thing if you fit a role in this play and there is a monologue in it this is one of those plays that's lesser known probably because it's harder to cast and harder to do on a stage um, never ever do a monologue ever from Clyde's or from Sweat or even from Intimate Apparel or from Ruin. They're all like super no. well known and she's so hot right now. But a play like this, you I feel like this. it's kind of cool to go in and be like, I'm doing this monologue from this play by Lynn Nottage. Yeah. Lynn Nottage is immediately going to pull them and you're going to look like a really smart writer or a reader because you've read back that far. So yeah, this is a good testament to like those super hot players right now. Mm-hmm. Go back a little bit. James Imes has other stuff other than Fat Ham and Kill Me with Paradise. Annie Baker has other stuff than the flick. Like, they, they just do. Yeah, get yeah, out there. Yeah, look for it. Yeah. Hot to me. Amazing. Should we uh, move Hit some over honorable to, mentions? Yeah. Wait, I want to see what time we're at. We were at 47 minutes. This is normal. This is normal. We literally just <laughs> do what we always do. <laughs> <laughs> we killed that. Oh, that's amazing. Internal clock. That's so good. Nice. Oh, good. Okay, let's do some honorable mentions. I'll start off. Okay. So the play I want to talk about is a play that 
here's the thing. Yes. I don't me. not like it. Okay. I don't mind it. Right. I just am confused <gasps> by it. Ooh, we actually this might take forty seven minutes to talk about. Why? Oh, is it the what I think you're gonna say? Yeah. Yeah, I just have opinions about it. Oh, I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's we're talking about Life Sucks by Aaron Posner. Let's talk um, about it. First off, shout out to Dramatist for sending us a bunch of plays again. Oh, this was the so one they sent us for L. Thank you so much. Yes. And this is a play that is confusing to me me and erica saw this at debama we saw it together because we actually one of the first plays we connected over was stupid effing bird stupid effing bird yeah we love i love that play that play was Great one of the plays play. that like made me realize theater isn't just like hairspray and grease yeah it was like re like theater can be really cool and contemporary and like now looking back on it i'm like someone like standing on the fourth wall and being like say start the effing play and someone in the audience going start the effing play it kind of is like cheesy but also it's like so cool i like it and like i remember that happening to me while watching my friends in it in charleston south carolina and it made me go like oh like theater can be sick which i think is what made me into the person i am today Chekhov is still relevant Chekhov can be cool and also i am a diehard about adaptations or translations by contemporary playwrights being an easier and more palatable way to get into those old 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 playwrights yeah tracy letts and annie baker's version of Chekhov mm -hmm. is so simple and easy to read and it gets you into it i say it all the time on tiktok all of aaron posner stuff i will say if you're reading uncle vanya read life sucks first maybe it'll give you some cool context and in general if you're ever like say you're in college and you're like oh i've got to read whatever this play this yeah. old russian play um, old Norwegian play. If you're having a bad time, switch up your translation. Yeah, it's my, it's maybe just your translation. Yeah, let alone if it's adapted. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, I love our faculty sometimes, but our our, our faculty <laughs> gives <laughs> our faculty gives us like translations by like people that they like, which is super cool. Yeah, but then like. I'm a massive Annie Baker fan, but also I'm just getting back in the theater over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And right, going into our Chekhov method, I remember our friend Anton. Um, oh my gosh, Christmas Carol. Oh, Anthon. Anthon. Yeah. Um, his thesis role was in, it was Uncle Vanya, right? By Annie Baker. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Which is so cool, which like introduced me to that. I went out and bought a copy and I read it. And it was like when we started talking about Uncle Vanya, mm -hmm. I read that instead of the translation that I think we got from Cornell. Yeah. And I just understood like, it so rocks. much better. I was like, this is sick. So then it made it when I had to read that translation way easier. Yeah. The, okay. But back to Life Sucks. Let's get into it. Um, He wrote stupid effing bird we loved it i and read it, that first yeah so he wrote it in whatever like two years before this premiered or actually i think maybe even like a year and a half he wrote it in like 2003 so it's probably premiered in did he write that in 2003 i could be lying oh, he, he wrote okay. it in a year um and when he wrote this play uh, it's, it was probably way earlier whatever or it was at a different time but he wrote this play a year or two after Stupid Effing Bird. So it felt like Stupid Effing Bird did super well regionally, went off Broadway, all that awesome stuff. And they were like, do another one. And he did another one. And it just doesn't feel the same for some reason. Mm -hmm. It um, it does the same thing. And, and I will say Life Sucks is full of monologues and scenes that have great stuff. And I even I think this is also a little overdone. Like never do a Stupid Effing Bird monologue for an audition. Do it for a scene class. Yeah. Do it for school. Like I don't audition with it because I've, seen so many of my friends yeah, do it, do it but, but i brought it in for a final package because yeah. i still want a chance to work it's on fun it. to work and there's yeah. monologues in here that we both want to do oh it's 2013 you had the three right okay for, cool for okay cool, yeah. cool cool so did um, i say the f word i haven't have no I? I, neither have i we I keep, keep saying effing bird i know, I know really we want you really well know, okay but um <laughs> but this play it was just different it, it didn't hit the same way it has good monologues in it it has some yeah. good scene there's a really great scene with the doctor and with vanya um towards the end of the play which is great but like they have these moments in the play, which I think we both saw at Debama and we were like confused by because Debama 
had a killer cast. Rocks. Had a killer set. Amazing. But we were like, why don't we love this? Like, we just saw Kill Me With Paradise. Why didn't we love this production? What's going on? We read it, and, like, probably 30% of the play are kind of, like, writing exercises that, like, Aaron Posner put into, the, it, yeah. put into the text. Yeah. And it just felt like, while Stupid Effing Bird very smoothly wove in these breaking of the fourth wall things, like, at the end of Act 1 when they're all, like, yelling what they love or what they hate at the audience, mm-hmm. this felt... Because they, I think he just over that style that he does. It was a very solid thing of like 80% text, maybe 10, 15, 20% of this thing, right? Yeah. This, it felt more like 60, 40. And with too much of that kind of like writing prompts style of these like games, Mm -hmm. like he even calls them in their games. In Stupid Having Bird, it's just a play. And here it's like they have like little games that you play. Like things that I hate and like in the audience, it, like, like towards the end, it's like truly ask the audience something. Wait for them to answer. Don't be afraid of that. It's just like it felt weird and it didn't hit for me. Yeah, I yeah. have I have thoughts and feelings about it. Tell me your thoughts and your feelings. One is a theory that I'll never be able to prove. Yeah. And that theory is that Life Sucks was actually written first. Mm hmm. And I do think it was heavily influenced by like, I, I love much like I like the beginning of a play. That's not the play yet. Yeah. I love like t- listening and like reading about what playwrights think and how they write things. Yes. And that writing exercise energy is very much stuff that like I used to do in playwriting classes yeah. where it's like, okay, cool. Someone addresses the audience. Someone says this, someone else walks in. Um, and I can't prove this either, but I do think the artistic director of Debama must just love direct address because yeah. so many shows in their seasons deal with that i mean Almost every single one every single play seen. i've seen there what are we seeing next we're seeing the other place the other place yeah the thin place has it right kill me paradise has, has it. it life sucks has, has it. it land of oz didn't have it but also land of oz actually and he wrote he that wrote. didn't he yeah he wrote i'm it. just saying whoever's picking their seasons is into Nathan that Moda, which man. also just Shout goes out. to say this is a trend right this is something yeah. that we're seeing a lot and i i'm kind of into it i think lauren gunderson actually has a twitter thread where she talked about writing her most recent play and was like, when I get stuck, I just have the main character go out and start speaking. And that's how I learned who that character is. And like, I've pulled that too. Yeah. But when I've pulled that, it, it doesn't like end up, you know, I kind of learn things yes. from it and move along. Life sucks basis is characters doing that only instead of them doing that in like the character learns more about themselves. That still happens in some of the monologues, the better monologues it does happen. Yeah. There is that like pressure on the audience to like, develop meaning and purpose from whatever they're for saying. the character yes. and for the play which um that day that we saw it i think was like a sunday afternoon a lot of older people. it was an older quieter audience and i think that dynamic when we saw kill move paradise we talked about this yeah we saw kill move paradise when we could tell that there were loved ones of the actors sitting around us full house i think we went closing. evening performance yes I think closing. We went, like one of closing like closing weekend. the vibe when there was direct address and demands from the audience was like high i agree it was hot in there yes and then when we saw life sucks it had been cooled down a little bit yeah and so it's just something that like you kind of can't bank on mm-hmm. and it's something that stupid effing bird does differently so yeah. m- when i saw it my assumption was that life sucks was written first and then later on he perfected that kind of like style with stupid effing bird but that's not the case no they're actually like 10 years flipped in the opposite direction yeah which is you know fascinating and interesting and like you know aaron posner's special sauce is adaptations yeah and there's so much to be learned from him yeah. about writing that um but again i think your audience that day really changes things yeah. i really want to do the um what's the monologue in there where she's it's like someone with ella it's, it's yeah it's, where she she's like, like looks at the audience and like, she's like who wants to sl- who wants, who wants to hook up with me, me. yeah yeah, yeah it's <laughs> great. like who wants to do this right yeah. now i think we can say things like that i think so i think we can say I don't know, we're in the like basement that. now we're not we're in, upstairs we're in the basement baby hey we can say whatever we want but like <laughs> i know for a fact that when she said that to a group of predominantly old white women 
it's not going to play as much as if I, at the end of this semester, bring that monologue into a 200, 300 seat theater full of my peers and faculty. That's going to be so, I, I want you to do that so yeah, bad. And I'm going to. But when I, Erica, go in front of my peers and faculty in a packed house and I'm like, all right, <laughs> who yeah. wants it? It's going to be a different vibe. And so anytime you are reading or writing or producing when you're, you're relying on your audience, you're going to have to rely on that audience. So yeah. I, I would be so curious to know what would have happened if we just saw a different showing. Um, but in general, it's still a great play to know. Yeah. I, I think it's a really, really good play to know. Yeah. Um, I think it's full of good stuff. I think not every play, like, I mean, not every play is going to be the ex exact same. And we saw it with a weird audience. I kind of want to see it again with like a packed young house and see what it's like. Kind of like a band too. You know how you have yes. bands in the first song or first album. You're like, whoa, that's their sound. A million percent. That's that thing they do. And then like a few years later, they like, they've evolved. And I'm like, how dare you? Yes. <laughs> it's no, absolutely. one of those for me, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he's still churning stuff out. He's done some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, Life Socks, Aaron Posner, give it a read and like, let me know what you think. Cause we've had interesting feels on it. Um, my next thing, uh, oh, we're going to the Justin musical corner for two quick things and I'm going to give it over to you. All right. Um, first thing, hot take lightning thief, the musical. Nice. It's a, a lot of people don't like it. I secretly like it. It's kind of my guilty pleasure. I didn't read the books. I wasn't one of those kids. I love the books. Okay. I love the musical. I will say I, a lot of the stuff is overdone. I really well know. And you shouldn't do anything from it. But okay. there's one song that I don't hear a lot. And I think it's a beautiful tenor song that someone could put in their book. It's called The Tree on the Hill. Mm. Uh, by the, the character Grover sings it. It's really, really good. Check it out if you're a tenor and you're looking for something kind of folky, kind of like acoustic-y, soft, fun, high. It's, it's a good song. I like it a lot. George Salazar originated the role. I loved it. Now, the other musical I want to talk about is called The Last Match. Mm. It is an immersive pro wrestling musical. Oh, yes. Yes. Our, yes, yes, yes. Um, um, our, our friends uh, Larissa and Dan, who were in I Do I Do, mm -hmm. uh, that was music directed by our boy Spencer Hansen. Hello, um, hello, Public Theater at, at WVPT. Yeah. Um, they, I went to go see their show I Do I Do. We went out to Applebee's afterwards and chatted for a long time. And I told them I was a big wrestling fan. And they're like, we're producing this new musical. We're meeting Caramelou, uh, Amber Nicole, uh, Ar uh, Arborano, um, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cardona, who's Zack Ryder in the WWE. All these professional wrestlers are also in it. So many It's names. a sick musical that is set in a wrestling ring. Yeah. It's a full wrestling show. Ramin and Amber, who are two Broadway stars, learn to be pro wrestlers for this track. That's so cool. It's so cool. They do. It's awesome. It's this massive dope musical. It premiered at this at this cool big playhouse in New Jersey. It won a ton of awards just last week. Yeah. Um, go follow them on Instagram. They have a couple songs on Spotify, but follow them the last match, I think, musical or last match show on Instagram. You'll find it. Uh, it's like a pink profile photo. They're awesome. Give them a follow. Um, cool stuff is happening. I have a feeling I'm going to uh, hard drop right now. Yeah. I have a feeling they're going to have an off-Broadway run in the next two years. It's going to be so good. It's going to be like the next Rocky. Ugh. Like the next Rocky musical that goes up. That's it's going to so be sick. cool. I could see it going off-Broadway, being a really cool immersive show, kind of like K-pop, and then moving to Circle in the Square. Perfect. Yeah, which yeah. is the perfect Broadway theater for it. I think it's going to be awesome. The music also, is the, sick. Also, the actor to professional wrestler Pipeline is strong. So sick. Yeah. So sick. And like both ways. Also, I know. shout out Batista. Shout out John Cena. Shout out The Rock. Exactly. All right. I'm thoughts. done with it. Take Thank your you. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about wrestling all day. We'll pivot. All right. A play that starts with L. It's on the list. I know we just talked about him, but uh, Linda Vista by Tracy Letts mm -hmm. came out in 2020. And actually, there's something interesting about this play. I don't know if I ever told you this. You know how I used to tour a one-woman show? Yes. I used to tour a one-woman show with Swander Woman Productions. Yeah. Uh, Mary Swander wrote it about uh, like kind of like uh, sustainable agriculture, ethical farm practices and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I got hired in college, they're like, we need someone really quick. You know, the woman who used to play the role um, is really successful. 
and she's like been working <laughs> out of Chicago and LA. Like she's really good, so she can't do she she's can't tour super the show. Successful. And they're like she's so good, but yeah. she can't do this job. So will you do it? And I was like, absolutely, and it rocked. I loved it. Yeah. And that woman is in the original cast That's at Steppenwolf crazy, and that transferred dude. to Broadway. Yeah, her name is Cora Vanderbrook and we know all the same lines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we both used to pretend to be a lawyer. Uh, anyway, Linda Vista is three men, four women, ranging from like 30, actually 20s, 30s, 50s. Takes place in San Diego. Heavy, heavy midlife crisis vibes, okay? The protagonist, Wheeler, like kind of sucks, but he kind of redeems himself in it. It's a really, really great, I mean, it's Tracy Letts. So it's yeah. a really great play for like some grittiness, but also just like people talking, people being people going yeah. badly. Um, there's some very like full on intimacy uh, scenes, if that's something you're interested in or want to avoid. Um, and I think this is a good play for fans of the TV show uh, Californication and BoJack Horseman. <laughs> That's such a good comparison. That's that. That's really, really good. Like in my last one, like if you love the podcast Noble Blood and also gossiping and also yeah. dramaturgy, that's that, yeah, that that's one. perfect. Um, this one is, yeah, it's it's heavy BoJack Horseman vibes. Heavy BoJack Horseman Heavy, heavy, vibes. heavy. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a good that's read. That's perfect. Yeah. And I love it. Just check it out. Great. Okay. Last one. A mm-hmm. show I did actually. Yeah. It's called Lone Star Spirits. Um, it's by uh, Josh Tobieson. Actually, Tobiason? Tobieson. This is a shame because I met him. That's so... It's His okay. His cousin was in the cast. With you? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so I did the show like an hour outside the Twin Cities. And um, I played Marley, who's the lead. And uh, my... Flex. F- flex. My fiance, <laughs> Ben, was played by this guy, John. He's like, oh, yeah, my cousin wrote this. And we were like, will he come see it? And he was like, yeah. And he came and he saw it and he took us out for bevies after. That's so cool. And he rocked. And we could like ask him about these lines. And we're like, you know, what was up with that line? And he'd be like, I just, I just liked it. You know, like such a cool dude. Really down to earth. I just liked that line. The show premiered in New York, but then it uh, went to the jungle yeah, in, Minneapolis, in Minneapolis, right? You've been by. Um, showing him the ropes mm-hmm. and um, it's a really really great show Lone Star Spirits is the name of the liquor store that it's set in which is also just some guy's house in West Texas the story is kind of revolving like a father-daughter arc um, a young woman from this like nowhere town in Texas yeah. has family issues dips comes back home to her dad's house which is also the local liquor store yeah full of like the dude she dated in high school the mean girl right small town vibes she comes back to town to introduce him to the fiance and she has uh, other motives and it goes down between her and the dad. But the thing about Lone Star Spirits is it's a double play, much like alcohol. It also is kind of a ghost story, which I love. And I yeah. got to do my first seance on stage. That's so it cool. It was so fun. And it's a lovely, lovely father-daughter arc, kind of hometown arc. So if you're someone who likes, um, you know, Southern dialect, <laughs> guns, but also like, just kind of like really lovely, realistic, but like fun dialogue. Yeah. Lone Star Spirits is a great one. Doesn't get produced a ton because he's kind of a smaller known playwright. Um, he has, I think, one or two other plays out that I have not read. That's um, awesome. But Lone Star Spirits, it's a great one. Oh, perfect. Check it out. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's L, baby. That's L, baby. Look. Oh my gosh. We went, we went like three or four minutes over the usual time. Whatever. That was fun. Yeah. That was a good episode. A couple shout outs before we go. We have two actually kind of really cool big drops to say. Yeah. Um, first off, follow us on Instagram at Justin Borak at actual Erica Kuhn. Uh, follow me on TikTok if you want to watch us live on Wednesday nights at Mediocre Jokes. Hello, everybody out there. Hello. Um, uh, we both have like something cool that's happened in the last 10 days. Yeah. A- across a bunch of other terrible or crazy we things. We had high highs and low lows. Yeah. But I think we should both say them. Um, so... Community Garden, a play that we've talked about for a long time. Erica directed the regional premiere of it, the premiere uh, here in West Virginia. Uh, 
it is it, we've always known that it was kind of going to publishing and all this stuff um it is as of last friday officially fully published it's out it's out dude it's paper it's paper it's green it has our names in it we can hold it ah! my name's on the front erica's name is right on the first freaking page <laughs> and on the back there's it's a little so shout out to play cool. the z yeah um it's like a real play yeah you wrote that it's so crazy what's a published pl- play it's it's the coolest thing ever also this is really cool we've almost have already sold like over 100 copies that's crazy it's, it's wild produce it's, his play produce my play seriously now you officially can you have no excuse there's no excuses there's no excuses um, if i can do it you can do it <laughs> <laughs> i'm super excited it's crazy it's also really it's, it's just really really exciting that uh it's like paper and i can like be like ah it's done and like start working on the next thing yeah but it's like in our hands i got like a bunch of them last friday i was able to give them to a couple of our friends gave one to eric had a little weep yeah have a little weep a little it's cry on it it's fun it's really really cool um if you want it go to the link in my bio on instagram go to playscripts.com slash backslash community garden just look up community garden by justin borak and google it'll pop right up <gasps> and you can buy a copy it's 12.99 on playscripts baby so yeah please and go check it out it. and produce it please yeah. it, uh, truly i'm telling everybody if you are one of the first show, uh, theaters high schools colleges to produce my play and if you reach out to me through my social media i will come see it i'll yeah. do a zoom workshop for free whatever you want i, I would love to be a part of a couple of the i'll tell you how to how to pull that track off that we put there's some weird for, tracks for in doubling there, and tripling. There's some weird, weird tracks in there. If you want to do we it, figured with eight. It out. there's eight. There's you can do it with 18 people, but you can also do it with eight. But yeah, that's yeah. my big news. Okay, go. Um. <laughs> oh, so I don't know. We've talked about writers room on here a, a little bit. bit. We talked about so Justin's arc with Community Garden was actually playwriting in general. And playwriting in general was um at W where we're master's students. Um, there's a grant here. Um, the Broadway Licensing New Works grant mm-hmm. that Justin won last year. I won our first year. It for gives a writer's you, room. And it gives you 2500 bucks to produce a show. Yeah, a new play. And also, really, the bigger thing is it creates a really thick relationship with you and Broadway Licensing and Sean Sarconi, who's a past MFA student here, who now is the CEO of the largest publishing company in all of theater. Go Mountaineers. Go Mountaineers, baby. Um, Yeah, so Justin won that last year. It was so, so cool to see him just like come into his own as a playwright mm-hmm. Um, and and to have him be like, cool, you know, what should I be reading? You know, what are your thoughts on this and that? And I was like, oh. Shut up about me and say it. And I was like, oh, I've had this play like knocking around in my dome for like many years and I just like can't get it out. I can't figure it out. And then uh-huh. I came here and I met all these lovely new people and I met Justin. And then last summer, like everything finally clicked into place. And then this fall, it was open again. So I went up for it this year, and this year I won. Ah! I won the Broadway Licensing New Works grant. Ooh. Erica's the playwright. I'm a playwright too. Oh, we do it all. And it's my so play exciting. is called Kill the Bird. I know it's, we're a week guys, too late. It's, and there's going to be a ton of work to it, and she's going to keep working on it and stuff. Yeah. It's already so good and so fun. It, I, I want to, like, the way she writes, I feel like if. Uh, if like you like super contemporary, realistic, naturalistic speaking, um, but you want it to like clip really quick and almost feel like poetic, kind of like Sarah Rule. I, I compare you a lot to Sarah Rule whenever mm-hmm. I talk to like any of our cohort about your playwriting because yeah. it's just whatever you write. It's so you can get so much across with just a couple words. It's just, dude, it's so good. I can't wait. And it's and I mean. It's just so exciting. Yay! Ah! Thank yeah. you so much. Justin between us is like is literally the professional writer. Um, but I I've been reading and I stay reading, so I'm so critical. I love You're directing. You're a great player right now. Don't say that. I know. And so it was it was so scary. Like uh, I remember the first time you had me read your draft, mm-hmm. and then I remember the first time I had you read my draft. Yeah. And I'm a little freak. I whenever I have people write like read my plays, I have to like watch them. So yeah. then I went home for Christmas, like after I submitted it, and I like sat and I watched my parents read it, and then I yeah. watched you read it, and I watched Shelby read it, and like waiting to see it's if so, it worked. It and was 
It came out. It finally came out. So I'm going to keep working on it, and it's probably going to go up um, in the fall. And Do uh, WVPT. Yeah, for the West Virginia Public Theater. Yeah, you, so, you, 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 you might see some uh, recognizable faces on yeah, the stage. Yeah, who knows? We all have lots of talents, and mm-hmm. they will all be used. I'm so excited. And I guess here's the thing. We can say this, too, because uh, s- some of it's still up in the air and still kind of getting confirmed. But um, Erica and I have also worked on a bunch of projects together, and that's not stopping anytime soon. We have another reading for a untitled uh, play scripts play coming mm-hmm. up in May. Yeah. We have another one uh, coming up in October of this year, both through WVPT, both fully funded. Bang, bang. Um, we're not stopping it. This was like... If you need oh, to hire two best friends... Two best friends To do something to do. with a play. I mean, like... <laughs> Like I like we've had ten weird hard days, yeah. But like now sitting at this podcast, kind of getting past it all, yeah. And like looking at my best friend right now, it's very very cool to know that like we've done all this work for this last year and a half, and we're both kind of like getting to our peaks. And Good like, things this, like, can this happen. Cool stuff is happening. And we're getting more school. cool stuff. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so many more other things are in the works that we can't talk about just yet. Yeah. But like. It's very cool. We have a bunch of cool stuff coming up, but my best friend just won a grant for playwriting. And my best friend just got his play published. And let's end this episode the way we always end it <laughs> by I'm going to look at my best friend, Erica Kuhn. Is Erica Kuhn? I love you so much. Justin Borak, I love you so much. Ah, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week for a Play Doh. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.